0: Well, thank you for tuning in tonight. On this Monday night, we're gonna do something special as the results were so great, and the response was so great from the spring revival with Dr. Dan Reed. I thought it'd be a blessing to play his last message he preached one month before he went home to heaven uh, out of Psalms chapter 27 on what are you running from? He preached it with the power of God. He was so weak, he had to preach it from a wheelchair, but he preached it with the power of God on his life. And I believe you'll really enjoy this message. So thanks for tuning in. Share it with somebody real quick. Get them to listen with you. And I believe you'll be blessed tonight by listening to this message by the late Dr. Dan Reed. I appreciate so much uh, Dr. Dan Reed and his dear wife. And I'm going to tell you something. Behind every great man of God is a great woman of God. And I admire Sister Reed so much. Uh, I know Brother Reed does. But uh, she... Is right there and been through a lot. I think about Miss Linda. She's been through a lot. And uh, it's not their choice, but praise God, it's their privilege to serve with their husbands all these years. And I appreciate you so much, sister. I appreciate your faithfulness. And I appreciate this man of God because I believe with all my heart, a couple of years ago, when we had that revival on prayer and we prepared our heart for prayer, that God truly changed some of our. Uh, attitudes towards prayer and we began to have some real signs of revival and souls saved and God used you greatly during that revival brother I want you to know that and I appreciate you and you know every time he has a major surgery or, and, he, and the Lord and his providence put off this surgery so he could be here um, he always says you know pray, pray one thing and that's that God will be glorified all this, and so you're going to listen to a man of God that has a concern, and that's that God be glorified through all this. So, brother, you come. Uh, anybody wants to have uh, hearing problems, come on down, sit on the front row, back them up. Amen. Come on, brother Lamar. Amen, brother. Brother. Some of y'all wouldn't get off the back row if Jesus came. Amen. But uh you know, you ought to come down as close as you can so you can hear the man of God. You want to. You want to get every word. You want to get every word. Amen. And I appreciate our deacon not being shy about it. Praise God. Amen. I just get down here on the front row. Brother Reed, you take your time. Thank you for your being with us. And we're, we're just blessed by you being here. Amen. Well,
1: I appreciate the church so much. And uh, your pastor, more than anybody can know, such an encouragement to me, and a help, and a man of the greatest integrity that I know of. Of anywhere, and I appreciate Brother Wayne and Connie. Amen. The work they're doing around the country is just amazing. And uh, we'll never know until we get the glory of what all is done. And I'm so, so grateful. And I want to encourage you to keep up your prayer times. Don't, don't let it flag. Right. One hour. I was one hour from having my leg cut off. And the doctor stopped it. And I don't think I would have made it through the operation. Really. And that would have been okay. But it was amazing the providence of God. My sister came to see me last Saturday and she said, I was praying a miracle and over and over people have told me God that they were praying and uh, you have no idea what your prayer closet does keeping up praying we don't always see the answers but we know there's a God that hears and that he is answering and so I want to encourage you, keep it up, keep it up. There are people, missionaries around the world that depend on you. That's right. And there's people like me that depend on you. People like precious Brother Gary Ledford. Right. They're alive by the skin of their teeth simply because people are still praying. That's right. And we believe that. And uh, I'm so thankful for you. And glad to be here. Some, turn to Psalm 27. I'd love just to testify tonight because I could testify of the goodness of God forever. But, I love to preach the Bible. (laughs) I just love to preach the Bible. And Psalm 27 is one of my favorites. What are you running from? What are you tempted to quit? when I hear of your church and I come to a place like this I see all the things that are going on and it's wonderful I love it just meeting after meeting prayer services, breakfast, soul winning just all the time I love it I hope you don't quit, quit these things keep at it it's a sign of a dying church I think when they start to begin to let off here and let off there. And times you have to, I understand. Sure. But we need to keep up the work. Keep up the work. Amen. It's tiring. It's weary. That's right. We get tired. You go home. You come back. You go home. You come back. You go home. That's right. And and it's just over and over and over and over again. But yet, it's the stuff of life. And it's the stuff that makes godliness. Duty. Exercise yourself to godliness. It's exercise. It's work. It's discipline. I just finished reading Jonathan Edwards' 70 resolutions by Stephen Lawson. You can get it. It's excellent. In it, he these are his disciplines. These are what kept him going. He just Decided early in life, I'm going to live by rules. I'm going to live by them. Now, of course, he lived by the Spirit. He begged for grace. But he had resolutions, and it guided his life. The discipline. Psalm 27 is a psalm that speaks of David. David wrote it, we believe. He wrote it while he was running. He was running from Saul. Ten years He ran like a fox in the desert trying to get away from jealous King Saul. Saul eyed David from the time that he heard the women sing about David. He was jealous. Jealous Jealousy is the rage of a man. It drives a man. And it drove him to try to kill David three different times with a javelin. David escaped each time and ran for his life. His own wife was forced to Forced to try to betray him, and and all the things that happened in those ten years, and somewhere along the line, David even had to had to uh, go to uh, to Agag and the Philistines and uh, scrabble on the wall and feign himself a madman to try to get out of some trouble. He later wrote a psalm about that, and. And uh, his life for many years, up until he was 30, was one of running. Always running. But with a promise you're going to be king one day. Right. Amen. God's already anointed him. Samuel's already been there. He knows I'm going to be king. When? When? Have you ever asked the Lord, how long? Four times in Psalm 13, he says, how long, oh Lord? How long? How long? How long? How long do I wait? And in this Psalm, he comes to a place when he's running from Saul that apparently he was ready just to give it all up. His dream, his future. And look what he says in verse 13. He said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait, and he's talking to himself now. Wait on the Lord, he says. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thy heart. He says it again to himself. Wait, I say on the Lord. There's a lot in the Bible about fainting. You know that? If thou faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Proverbs says. Many times it uses the word not faint, but the word faint hearted. It's basically the same thing. It's not that we quit. It's not that we run out on God. But we do get faint hearted. We we do lose our fervency. and get faint hearted at times. Twice in 2 Corinthians 4 Paul says because we have this ministry we faint not. We faint not. And over and over again Scripture emphasizes this matter of fainting, fainting. And here David says, I would have fainted. I almost fainted. I was just about at the, at, about at the point there. A couple things I want us to remember here this morning or tonight before we get into the message briefly. This battle of fainting, the battle we're in, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about the Lord's name. It's all about His glory. I'm on stage. I'm on stage being watched by angels, being watched by demons, being watched by the world. You're on stage. God has you in a drama. The book of Job shows us that. We're in a drama. He's testing our integrity. He's testing us. Will we curse God? Will we defame God? Will we lower his name? This battle's not about me. That's right. Oh, we have to remember that. The Bible is a God centered book. Amen. It's not a me centered book, it's a God centered book. That's right. We must keep our focus. On him. In this psalm, David says, one thing have I desired, verse 4, and that will I seek after. That's what I'm going to seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Watch this. To behold the beauty of the Lord. The beauty, the holiness of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Sure. But there is this tendency to faint. But we've got to remember, I can't faint because it's not about me. The battle's not mine. Again, I've got to remember it's a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Yeah. I'm in a good fight. <laughs> a lot of people in a bad fight, you know it. They just like to fight. That's right. That's right. But I'm in a good fight. This is the best fight. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm fighting in the battle of the Lord. He enlisted me. What an honor to fight in the Lord's battles. It's the Lord's fight, you see, and it's called in the scripture a good fight. Again, it's a lifelong fight, it's not a hundred yard dash, it's a marathon. We have to set our minds and our hearts for the long run to finish, to finish our course. We've got to get our mindset, whatever the cost. We're going to finish. We're not going to faint. God helping me. His grace helping me. I'm going to finish and finish well, Amen. and finish with a good testimony. Enjoy on my heart. I want to show you three things. Number 1, David's confession. He confesses, I would have fainted. I almost fainted. I almost gave up. I had fainted. What do you reckon that meant to David? What would it mean to you? I would have fainted. Did it mean he went into a dark, deep dark depression? I have a tendency for that, do you? Sometimes I have a tendency to go to a self-pity party. I hate those things, don't you? Try to get out of them as soon as I can. Sometimes there's, it's hard to get out of them. You want to pity yourself. And uh, maybe that's what he went to. Maybe he got to feeling sorry for himself. Oh, what I've lost. What I could have had. Where I would have been at this point. Why me? We should never ask, why me? We should always say, why not me? Why not you? Why somebody else? Why not me? What does it mean to you to faint? Would it mean giving up the faith? The faith once delivered to the saints? I read just recently of some men who, after writing books and standing for the Lord, gave it all up. R.B. Theme, gave it all up. Others, I'm not sure it's true. After all these years, I'm not sure. Not sure it's true. Is that what fainting would mean to you? Are you tempted to doubt and give up your faith? What did it mean? What did it mean to David? What would it mean in your family if you fainted? What would it mean to your children if the standard bearer faints? What would it mean? Does it mean giving up? Do you know that the only remedy for fainting is the only remedy for sin in the Bible is just confess it? Amen. If I've got a tendency to depression, if I've got a tendency to give up on things, if we confess our sins, God's faithful. And He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He that covereth, the opposite of confession is covering. He that covereth his sins will not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Confession is the only remedy for sin. I must say what God says about my sin. Troll. I don't have a right. I don't have a right to think a certain way. I don't have a right to feel a certain way. God help me. Confession. David confessed. But then I want you to see secondly, not only his confession, but his confidence. I'd fainted. Now watch this. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see his confidence? Where his confidence in unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the Lord. Jesus repeatedly appealed to the disciples' faith. Oh, ye of little faith. He was constantly building their faith. He constantly commented on people's faith or lack thereof. He was constantly trying to build their confidence in Him. All the time. In every situation, he was building their confidence in him. And David said here, I would have fainted unless I believed to see. In the Christian life, we believe to see. We don't see to believe, we believe to see. One comes before the other, our faith comes before our sight. Our faith comes before our strength. And God puts those things before. This is not what do I know about my God. When we talk about confidence in God. This is what I've experienced about my God. This is what I know experientially about my God. I want to call a verse to your mind. You can look it up later in Genesis 22. Where Isaac was taken up to Mount Moriah and Abraham was about to offer him and raise the knife. God made an amazing statement. It's just amazing. God said to him, Now, now I know that you fear me. God said that. Now I know Amen. Amen. that you fear me. Do you know even God wants to experience the matter of your faith? Even God wants to experience things. I don't have to use an illustration any more than the incarnation of Christ. That he came to be a man and experienced everything you and I experienced. Went through everything you and I go through. Amen. Our faith, our confidence must be in the Lord. It must be in the sovereignty of God. That's where David's confidence was. God is sovereign. Nothing happens in my life but that God allows it to happen. Nothing gets past his temperature gauge. He always knows where to turn it off how to turn it up. Yeah, that's right. And he can heat it seven times hotter sometimes. But he knows. He knows my, 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 my ability and where I am. He knows exactly. Our faith is in the sovereignty of God. I want to tell you that one doctrine has gotten me through many a heartache. Just knowing my God is sovereign. He can change the providence. He's the Lord of hosts. He can move one star. He can stop the sun. He can send one angel. He can do whatever He needs to do. He can send one doctor with a little information to stop another doctor. He is in charge. He is in charge. And He's in charge of all the circumstances of your life. That will get you through many a trouble. That's right. He's sovereign. David believed in the sovereignty of God. He believed in the goodness of God. God is good. Amen. Scripture says in Psalm 100, Know ye that the Lord is good. Amen. It's He that hath made us and not we ourselves. The Lord is good, and good all the time. Yeah, sure. yeah. In fact, Scripture says in Psalm 119, the Lord is good and doeth good. Amen. He can't do elsewise. That's right. A good God can only do good. It's from His character. Amen. George Mueller, the great prayer, man of prayer and, and warrior for God that fed so many orphans without ever asking a man for a dime showed miracles, the miracles of God. George Mueller's wife died. He'd been married 38 years. She was his precious companion for all those years. They both gave up a salary. He didn't say everybody had to do it, but they felt like God wanted them to live totally by faith. And they lived day to day, day to day. Amazing stories. Of how God provided for them. George Mueller, when his wife died, preached from that text The Lord is good. He preached his own wife's funeral. The Lord is good and does good. And here's what he said He said, The Lord was good when he gave me my wife. He was so good. He said, Number two, the Lord was good for leaving her for so long with me. And he said the Lord was good because he knew when to take her. The Lord is always good. Amen. Well, amen. You know, sometimes we think, no, he wasn't good when he took her. We he wouldn't he wasn't good when he took me, took what I had. He wasn't good when he took my boy. He wasn't good when he took my girl. Heard about an old Puritan divine who was called to the side of a widow lady who had a son who was dying. And he was quickly approaching death. And the lady begged the Puritan preacher, pray that you'll live. Pray my boy live. And the old Puritan preacher said, I'll pray for God's will. Amen. And she said, no, you've got to pray he'll live. I can't take it. You've got to pray he'll live. So he began to pray. The boy did live. And 20 years later, she saw him on a gallows about to be hung. Now pray, tell me, is it not better that God takes some people? Amen. God knows when to take us. Yes. Amen. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Amen. God is always good. Amen. He's always good. He's always faithful. The sun will come up tomorrow and go down. He's always faithful. I'm reminded of that each day and each night of how good and faithful God is. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they're new every morning, great is Thy faithfulness. There's a confession here. I would have fainted. I was about to faint. And there's confidence here. But third, there's counsel here. There's counsel here, which is, <clears throat> which is really just self-preaching. He's preaching from what he knows from Scripture, what he knows from God. But the most important conversation you and I have every day is how we talk to ourselves. That's right. And what he's saying here in this last verse, verse 14, he's talking to himself. Wait on the Lord. That's what most of the Psalms are. They're talking to God, talking to myself. Telling myself what God would tell me. Wait on the Lord, he says. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now that's good counsel. Wait. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? It's providence. It's waiting to see what God's going to do before I take the next step. It's guiding my steps. Jeremiah said, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Are you aware of that yet? I have to make some choices within certain boundaries. But I thank God. God's put up some boundaries. He guides our steps. That means sometimes He pushes us against a wall where we can't, we're hedged in. We can't get out. We were building our building, Brother Wayne. I felt hedged in because things started happening and snowballing and, and then it cost more than we had imagined. and But I couldn't get out. I was forced. I was forced to stay where God put me. I was forced to do as God had led me to do, but just didn't follow through with my timing. By the way, Do you know if you don't know the will of God, one of two things is wrong. One of two things. Either you're not in God's Word and obedient, or the timing's wrong. A sixth grade boy doesn't say, Lord, show me who to marry. Lead me this down the right path, Lord. Get me ready, but God's probably not going to show him the young lady to marry at 6th grade. That's right. Timing's not right. The timing. God works in time by providence. And when he says, wait on the Lord, he's talking about that promise Samuel gave to him. He said, he said, I'm going to see it. I'm, I'm confident. I'm going to see it in the land of the living. Amen. What's that?
0: While well,
1: I'm still living. While well, I'm still alive, I'm confident what Samuel said is going to come to pass. Amen. But I got to wait on it. I got to wait on God's timing. I must never lift up my hand against God's anointing. And he didn't. He had two opportunities to kill Saul. He could have taken things in his own hand and have tried to accomplish things by his own way, but he didn't. He waited. Waiting is the hardest game in the world, isn't it? It's a difficult thing to wait. Wait on the Lord, he tells himself. Wait on the Lord. He's running across these crags and mountains and caves and hiding and, and, uh, and running for his life. And his mother and father have had to go to Moab now and he has no longer their comfort and, and he's been forsaken of many. And yet he says, wait, oh the Lord. And then he says this, be of good courage. Now there's some good Counsel. Good courage. Courage is the needed thing in our generation. That's right. Courage. I don't care if you know what to do. If you, can't have the, if you don't have the courage to do it, it doesn't do you any good. That's right. Courage. Yeah. And courage is never courage without fear. There's got to be fear there for there to be courage. It's a fearful thing sometimes to walk with God. It's a fearful thing sometimes to take those steps that we need to take each day in our churches and moving forward. And It's a fearful thing. I told a man this week, a man who's meant a lot to me and helped me greatly. He said one thing to me many several years ago that prompted me to go ahead with our building program. I was fearful. I hold it. Afraid of what people were going to say, afraid of the church reaction, afraid of deacons. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't afraid of deacons, but they sometimes a little more cautious about money than I felt like they needed to be. And by the way, I thank God for them. We need to help put boundaries on each other sometimes, and I understand that. But He said one thing to me that encouraged my faith and made me move forward. Move forward. I want to ask you tonight, do you fear some things that you need to move forward with? Be of good courage. There's a little phrase in the Scripture that's used several times, mostly in the Old Testament when he says quit you like men be strong it's the word that means courage the mark of a man in the scripture is courage he marches into battle be of good courage quit you like men it's an old English term it means acquit you prove yourself to be a man be strong and that's the constant admonition. It's what we ought to be telling ourselves in the face of fainting. Be strong. Have courage. Keep moving. Keep going forward. Don't turn back. Amen. There's no place to quit. That's right. Be of good courage. It's a wonderful admonition from David, I think. He will he then says and then he'll strengthen your heart. Boy, I like that. He'll strengthen your heart. That's what we need. We need strength of resolve. Strengthen our heart. Strength of will. Strength to move forward. The heart has to be strengthened, you see. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Did you hear it? They shall walk. They keep on walking. We may not run a lot anymore. We may not fly. But we keep on walking. Amen. They shall walk and not faint. What a precious promise. What a wonderful thing. Horatio Spafford had a great setback in his life, and you know the story. Four daughters killed in a shipwreck. I can only imagine the heartache. He'd already lost everything in the Chicago fire. He was a businessman back in days when there was no insurance on business. You lost everything, you start over. He was a friend of D.L. Moody's, stayed in D.O. Moody's house. Moody was preaching that night, on the night of the Chicago fire when so many people died. So much burned up in Chicago. One of those things that burned up was his business. He just lost it. Sent his family to England He he had been a rather wealthy man. He sent his family on a voyage over to England back when it was still a little dangerous on those liners. And the ship went down. Four of his daughters drowned. Immediately he telegrammed, his wife telegrammed him And he telegrammed back. He was on his way. He took the next ship he could get out. And on the way, they stopped and pointed out the place where it happened. And somewhere about that time, he wrote, When peace, like a river, Attends my way. Amen. When sorrow. Like sea billows roll. I've taken this as my. Epigram if you will. Whatever my lot. God's taught me to say. It's well. Amen. It's well. With my soul. And I want to tell you brothers and sisters if it's well with your soul it's well. Amen. <laughs> it's well. Yeah. It'll soon be over. It'll soon be over. And we'll stand before Him. And when we stand before Him and behold His beauty I've been meditating long on the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord. Ever sit before a sunset and admire the beauty? Did you ever sit before a false scene in a mountainside and admire God's handiwork? Amen. It's just His handwriting. He's the beautiful one. His characteristics. Who He is. We're going to admire and love and stand in awe and worship forever in the beatific vision as we see Him there. There's an amazing verse, and I close, that illustrates the depravity of man more than anything I know in the Bible when we shall see Him, Isaiah said. There's no beauty. Are you kidding? What's wrong with your eyes? What's wrong with your view? You can look at a fall scene and not appreciate the colors. You can look at a sunrise and not see the majesty of God. you could see the Lord of glory and not admire His beauty and for the perfection of all of His attributes do you not admire perfection when you see it I admire perfection I admire a service like you had tonight Everything just fits together. And it's obvious. It's a plan. It's a plan. Somewhat spontaneous, but it's, it's obvious you know what you're doing. It's, it's good. God looked back when He created the world and said it's all good. It's perfect. It's perfect. And in eternity, we're all going to admire the beauty of the Lord. What a day that will be. They said of Solomon, the half has not been told. And it's true. It's true. The half has not been told. All the books couldn't be written. Scripture says. They couldn't all be written of everything that Jesus did. But to think of all that He is, to write it down would be impossible. You can't put all God knows in a book. You can't do that. This is not a revelation of everything God knows. That's right. It's a revelation of everything He wants us to know for now. That's right. But it's not a revelation of everything that God knows. Amen. But we will be inquiring in His temple when we come to be before His presence of all that He knows. What a day that will be. Let's worship Him now. Let's love Him now. Let's not faint. Let's not faint. Imagine standing before Him at the end, the judgment seat of Christ. Standing in line and waiting and knowing that I failed him in the end. We'll weep like Peter if that be true. May God give us strength. If you're unsaved tonight, I want to tell you, the riches of Christ are waiting for you if you'll trust Him tonight if you'll believe Him, if you'll simply accept Him, repent and trust Christ as your Savior. If you're ready to faint tonight, confess. It's wrong. I must not faint. I must not allow myself to be pitied or self pity I must not allow that. Confess it. Build your confidence, your faith. Constantly work on it. And constantly counsel yourself. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Because He will strengthen your heart in the day of trouble. Father, I thank you for the strength to preach tonight. I thank you for grace. And I thank you for this church. And I pray, God, You'd help us to be willing to search ourselves for weak points, to examine ourselves, whether we be worthy to take this cup, whether we be worthy to partake in Your body. Lord, help us tonight, we pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And we'll thank you. Spirit of God, move in us today. In your name, we ask it. Amen and
0: amen. You've heard from God tonight. And maybe your heart needs to speak to God. The Bible says that men ought to always pray and not faint so this is your time to pray would you come men ought to always pray and not faint come on maybe you need to pray for somebody that's fainting it's not in church in six months has no desire for worship like tonight I would have missed this for anything. God showed up through our servant. Why don't you come and pray? Maybe some of you need to strengthen the stakes and lengthen the cords. You need to pray for grace not to faint. Because don't ever say you can't, because you can. But you come, others are coming. Little ones are coming, teenagers are coming. When's the last time you knelt at an altar and said, Lord, help me not faint? We've been so blessed, yet we sometimes faint. Where's your confidence? What a message!